Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Gen Z Cafe. The Gen Z Cafe is a conversational podcast that is centered around topics, passions, and the culture that surrounds Generation Z. This podcast is relevant to Generation Z and anyone who wants to learn more about the generation or is a part of the generation. So it is a podcast produced by the generation for the generation. Uh, Today, my guest is a wonderful gentleman. He is an amazing fellow, one of my longest friends. I knew this guy way back from high school. Please give it up for Mr. Ahmed Suleiman. How are you doing, Ahmed? Good, man. How are you? Long time no see. Long time no see, buddy. I mean, we play a lot of Warzone together, but... Not a lot of face-to-face, I must say. True, true. Yeah, how's it going right. right there? You're in you're in Evansville right now? I'm in Evansville right now. It's kind of quiet and uh, no protests, if anyone's asking. Uh, that's good. But yeah, it is what it is. Uh, very boring out here, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's Evansville, Indiana, by the way, for, for people that don't. Because I didn't know. I didn't even know Indiana was a state, and that's, that's part of my fault. But yeah. I mean, I kind of. time I say I live in Indiana, they mention Indiana Jones, which is very annoying. (laughs) That's fair enough, man. That's fair enough. Well, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that you're safe, especially since uh, the U.S. cases are spiking like hell. They said that in the summer things would get better. Has not. It's been exploding lately. So I'm glad you're staying safe, bro. Yeah. How How are you doing? How's Saudi? How's uh... Saudi's great, man. It's I've been here for like. Uh, more than two weeks now, actually. I think it's been 16 or 17 days. It's it's very chill, you know, very calm, very relaxing. Cases are spiking here as well, but it's definitely not as bad as the U.S. Being with family is nice, you know, like just reconnecting with the land. It's pretty hot. Yesterday, I went on a run and it was like 40 degrees Fahrenheit or so 40 degrees Celsius, 140 degrees Fahrenheit. And it was bad, man. It was bad. So I miss I miss the good weather. That's that's what I that's what I must say. Me too. Me. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a topic that hopefully we can discuss later on the podcast is making the choice between because a lot of Arab people or at least people from the Gulf, they have a, a great opportunity to study abroad, usually under scholarships. And even if you if you have the ability to pay for yourself, if your parents are going to pay for you, it's still a choice whether you want to study in the Middle East or in the West. And that brings us to the topic today which is being a Muslim in the West in 2020. I think it's a very important topic. I think, although that it's very controversial, I think it's important that we discuss it and um, hopefully educate people on some of the things that they don't know and at the same time provide our experiences being Muslims and like being raised in the Middle East and then going out to the West and living there you know i mean you are studying for four years but you're also living there you're with the people and that's a big shift for a lot of people so yeah i think it'll be a very interesting discussion (laughs) yeah and i just want to say just right off the bat that what we say or what we discuss this is what we believe in or these are our opinions and no one needs to get offended we're not stating uh, something that needs to be enforced on you it's just what we believe in yeah and that's something yeah important to i mean right off the bat 
you can take the information that we say, these are our experiences, and we're going to try to be as honest and as relevant as possible. And we'd appreciate it if you'd, um, if you'd try your best to accept that, you know? And uh, if you want to have any conversation or if you disagree with anything that we said or if you have any input, please reach out to us on our Instagram at Gen Z Cafe. Our DMs is, are open, as you know, so we're open to any suggestions and feedback. All right, so without further ado, let's dive into this, man. So let's give them a little bit of a, in, like a context or an introduction to both of our cases. I think people who follow my socials know that I'm an accounting student. Uh, I just finished my freshman year in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, that was my first time in the U.S. After, after 10 years. So I was raised in the U.S. since I was four years old till, till I was about nine. Um, I lived in Florida and then I came back to Saudi and then I lived there for the rest of my life until I graduated from high school and then I went to the U.S. to, to get my bachelor's degree. Is it the same for you? Um, have you ever uh, you lived in Australia before, right? No, I uh, I was born in Egypt, but lived my entire life in Saudi Arabia. But then for college, I moved uh, to Evansville in August 2018, uh, and I've been here ever since. Okay, so you didn't really spend any significant amount of time in the West before college, basically. No. Okay. Well, can you talk about that shift, you know, because it is a shift and a lot of people understate that shift because they watch a lot of movies. Um, we're like, generally speaking, coming from an international school or really living anywhere in the world, you're exposed to a lot of Western media, Western culture. And I'm sure like you visited for vacation or you've had friends that visited, but it's different from actually living there for a prolonged period of time. So can you talk about that shift of like what for what did it feel like when you're away from your parents' home for the first time? So uh, as you said, uh, going to an international school, I thought it was going to be easy uh, socializing with Americans or you know getting accustomed to their culture. But uh, I got the culture shock that everyone says they're not going to get when they travel to another country, and I was very surprised uh, how different they live their lives and how nothing that we see in the movies or 90% of what we see in the movies does not actually happen, especially the school-based movies or the college-based movies. Those things don't really happen here. And uh, it was uh, tough getting to socialize with them because first of all, they don't have the same beliefs as we said. They don't have the same sense of humor. Uh, they don't know when you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> and uh, some of them get offended much more easily than how we as friends, you know, we, back back in school, we, we all see each other all the time and we joke around and uh, I don't, people here don't do that really. They consider that bullying or so it's very different lifestyle, very different type of communication, very different type of joking around. And uh, also things that they do for fun are not the things we uh, like assume as fun. Like they love fishing and hunting and going on hikes and walks. Yeah. You like going to cafes, uh, playing PlayStation and stuff like that. So <laughs> Just chatting, two, sitting around and chatting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, two different cultures and uh, it was a, it was a tough at first, but coming from international school, going to international school helped a lot and it mm -hmm. took me like a month or so to adjust. Okay. Well, I think what definitely helped is the language because I feel like 
the language barrier might be the hardest thing to adjust to if you're not very fluent in English. But being fluent in English, you can explain to people your values or why you don't do certain things. And there's a much, I'd say a much higher chance of them understanding where you come from just because you have like a, an American accent, because you're talking into their language. I feel like they're more likely to understand you when you're fluent in it rather than if you're, you have broken English, you might have an accent, which there's nothing wrong with. You might have, I'm just saying that from my experience, it's easier for Americans or wherever you are, Australians or Canadians or British people. I feel like it's easier when you're speaking their language. You get me? Yeah. But like also coming here, I realized how bad my English is or is not as good as I thought it was. Really? What do you mean? Like, for example, speaking, like, I thought it would, it would be much easier than going to an international school, but writing it is easy, understanding it is easy, reading it is easy, but then, I don't know, when you speak and then hear their accents, mm-hmm. you begin to shrink away and all the grammar just... <laughs> <laughs> I feel that, so, I feel yeah. that. I mean, but still, it's way better than other folks, you know, like people who have to be in the ESL program. You get what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's great. And going back to like activities, I think this is something that's really important to talk about. And the thing is, is I've heard different things from many different people. And I feel like in Muslims experience, at least in the US, because we're both from there, we can speak from that. It differs from state to state to city to city. Personally, me, um, it's been a fairly positive experience. Like I haven't gotten virtually any discrimination no judgment people they don't even know that i'm muslim you know they just treat me like i'm an american they think i'm an american maybe it's because of my accent but the thing that i struggle the most with is activities you know because at least in my city the university of colorado at boulder most of the activities that americans do and my my city is virtually almost all white i mean 70 percent white people there are very few minorities and most of their activities involve like partying, drinking, um, marijuana, you know. And so I personally face a lot of difficulty trying to hang out with friends that um, don't use substances, you know. And it, it always takes a while to explain to them why I don't do these things. And the reason I say it's a positive experience is because most of my friends have understood it, you know. There will obviously be those few that continue to pressure you over time and i realize that those people might not truly be respecting my values but um most people have been super understanding and like really flexible too you know like they look out for me if i'm at a friend's house and like somebody is about to light a cigarette you know like a a blunt they'll tell them like yo like who's saying this you know so that's my experience have you have you ever faced a situation where you were placed in a situation where you didn't feel comfortable and people were not respecting your values? You see, that's, uh, that's part of the culture shock that I got was like socializing. And as you said, uh, uh, a lot of them, that's how they spend their time is drinking, partying, having fun, uh, smoking weed and stuff like that. So at the beginning, when I started going to parties or like houses or dorms, and all they did was just drink. So that was a big factor of me not socializing because I was just not enjoying just seeing a couple of random people or three of people I knew who I went to class with mm-hmm. uh, being drunk and uh, 
not aware of what's going on around them. So uh, at first, I used to go with them and uh, just sit there. None of them, which I like, which I like is mm-hmm. none of them ever offered me because they know I'm a Muslim. They never offer me a drink or never say, just try this one or just try this uh, type of beer, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They don't do that, which is something uh, Some very fantastic, positive. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Uh, but they will still do it. So yeah. there's no reason for me to be there, to be honest. Yeah. So that takes the factor of socializing with them. And I just, I'd rather stay in my room, read a book, play video games, mm-hmm. watch a movie, than just watch a couple of people get drunk and then vomit all yeah. weekend long. I respect that greatly because um, another thing that I want to talk about is, you know, the saying, you are who your friends are or the people around you f- have a great effect on you. I knew that before and thankfully like I was raised by my parents and they did a great job at that. And in high school, I, 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 I purposefully made a very supportive friend group, people that I could trust, people that I felt comfortable with and people that I had fun with, you know, and I tried to distance myself as much as possible from people that would encourage me to go against my values. But the, 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 the moment I truly realized the importance of that saying is when I went out abroad. Because I know it is like just being around, even if you're not going to do anything, just being around people that are doing those activities increases your chance of having the temptation to do those things. So I think by distancing yourself from those activities, it greatly reduces the chance of you just even thinking about it. You know, it's a way of protection, you know, like just distance yourself from it. And um, I think that's also a recommendation to any Americans that might be listening to this podcast. If you have a Muslim friend, especially if they're like a practicing Muslim, it would be best if you did not offer them those things because it might, even though you seem like it might be a small thing, as Suleiman said, it can go a long way and you can earn their trust just by doing so. That's true. And uh, when you're in that environment, you start to feel like it's normal and uh, what if I just try one drink? Exactly. uh, They're doing it and they're fine. Why should I not do it? So normalizing yourself that alcohol is something that's okay. Drinking Mm -hmm. it is something okay. That's that's when it gets bad and that's when you start wondering how did I get into this or when did this happen? Yeah. And what's really surprising to me and I've said this before to my friends is that you get surprised at how people change easily, you know, because I know a lot of people and we don't want to name names, but people that I didn't think would do these things. But then I heard from a friend or another seeing a video, you know, and it just, it shows you that no matter how strong your personal desire and values are, you are human and you're suspect to temptations and to diverging into those temptations. And so I think the best way to, avoid those is to distance yourself. It doesn't mean cut people off. It doesn't mean be rude. It just means do what's best for you, you know? And I know this might sound like our words might sound a little extreme. Um, and it's why I wanted to talk about something else, which is judgment. You know, I think this is one of the most important things. And Muslims are very judgmental <laughs> of other That's Muslims. True. And I That's think sometimes that can be a positive thing when it comes out of a way of love and when it's gentle and when it's a brother to brother or sister to sister speaking. But what's your opinion on Muslims that are like harsh that will 
defriend you that will like insult you like if let's say you're you're a girl and you stop wearing the hijab for whatever reason or another if you do that in the west and you're around muslims that are practicing and, and that are pretty conservative you will get severely like just trampled on you know and i just wanted to get to know your opinion on that yeah i feel like um this is a mentality that was used or like the way that they used to like criticize for example a woman who took off her job for any for any reason i feel like doing that will just tempt her to do stuff that's not related to religion or like if your words can hurt so if you're being hurtful you're not going to help it's just going to make it worse it's like you're opening the wound you're not closing it you're not trying to close it and also something that I wanted to mention is doing the complete opposite, which is ignoring or not saying anything at all. That is even worse. Yeah. Because if you see a friend or someone you love, uh, a family member in the West or anywhere, doing something that they shouldn't be doing and that's against their religion or against their belief and not doing anything about it and saying he, he can do whatever he wants, it's his life, that's even worse than even being judgmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to your point, being judgmental in a very harsh way, especially, you know, parents with their daughters and sons, that doesn't help. And as they say, the most strict parents uh, give birth to the sneakiest kids. <laughs> Have you heard that before? It's like, I've heard it. I've heard uh, if, it. <laughs> if, you're very stri- yeah, if you're very strict with your son or daughter, they're going to find ways to lie or they're going to find yeah. ways to uh, deceive. You know, do think yeah, yeah exactly deceive you that's what i was looking for deceive you so that also goes for the being the judgmental part and the really really religiously wise is if you criticize them in a way that's not respectful they're not gonna respect they'll be like if that's what your religion taught you why will i follow it yeah. if your religion taught you to be that harsh why would i want to follow yeah. that because when you push people, back yeah when you push someone they're more likely to push back than to accept and I think what you said is super important, like trust. Trust is super important. And alhamdulillah, my, my father trusts me a lot. And I feel like that's the reason that I, I am the way I am and that I was able to stick to my values for so long, you know, because he gave me that freedom and he showed me what's right and what's wrong. And he put me, or like I, for whatever reason, I was put in situations where I had to question my values, you know? And I feel like being in that situation is so important and that's way better in my opinion to understand yourself, understand your religion than to just be in one place where everything is banned 24 seven and you're never exposed to them. And so you don't really know what's right or wrong. And that's something that I feel like a lot of um, Saudis particularly struggle with is if you're not exposed to culture like that, if you haven't traveled, if you studied in a government school, for instance, and You've never seen these things, you know? You only see them in the movies. Some people, like, don't even see movies, you know? And you go out into the West and you just get this flood of, like, temptation, you know? It's, it's everything. You don't know what it is. It's the unknown. And I feel like you're more at risk to go haywire then than if you were given the trust and the freedom and you were taught what was right or wrong and you were forced to test yourself and come out of those situations. See, I was told uh, by my grandfather is that he was like, take care. When you go to the West, either two things are going to happen. Either you're going to get closer to God and your religion, 
mm-hmm. you're going to drift apart. He's gonna, yeah. You're not going to stay the same. It's either you're yeah. going to get closer or you're going to get tempted to do the wrong thing. I think that's so very choose true. your side wisely. I think that's very true. And it's tough. Like coming from experience, it's much easier to do everything that you need to do while you're at home, while you are, the closer you are to Muslims or like civilization, Muslim civilization, the easier it is to keep following those practices. But once you go, like there's nobody that's going to remind you to pray, you know, it's your responsibility, you know, you could drink, you could smoke and nobody would know about it. So it it truly comes down to personal values, you know, and it's choices. Um, Another time you're, yeah. No, no, you're good. Yeah, that's when you're tested because, you know, when you're back home, even if you don't live in Saudi Arabia or alcohol and stuff like that, if you live in another country, um, the only thing that's preventing you from doing these things is your parents catching you or yeah. uh, someone like a friend or your brother telling on you. But then when uh, you're in the West or when you go to college, you're on your own. So exactly. it's between you and God. So exactly. if you want to drink, if you want to smoke, go ahead. No one's going to stop you consequences exactly exactly yeah and 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 another topic that we i wanted to discuss is like prayer because that's obviously something super important it's one of the five pillars of islam yani it's something super super important and it's hard you know especially like here in saudi all shops close for prayer in school if you were we went to an international school so this didn't apply but in other schools, they would stop classes so you can go and pray. You could have you could have also prayed in lunch in, in our school. Um, but when you're in the West, you have classes, you know, like I had classes during Lohar. And so it was really tough for me because I would I would have classes and I would only finish at like 4 or 5 p.m. I would be super tired, but I'd still have to pray, you know. And so I feel like that's something super important. And it's a great way to anchor yourself to your values because it's a routine thing you know you pray five times a day and i just feel like that's one of the best ways you can stick to your values is through prayer so can you talk about like the difficulty because like i said for me it was particularly tough just also the time zones because the prayer times are different like fajr is different fajr is dawn by the way for people that don't know so there are usually five prayers a day Uh, there's dawn there is Luhur, which is like noon, and then Asr, which is in the afternoon, and then Maghrib, which is in the evening, and then Isha, which is later in the evening. So that's a lot. <laughs> Especially yeah, if we're... Matter like sunset and like you don't, like you don't, yeah, yeah, you don't match them together. And so you have five throughout the day. And imagine doing that while you have classes. So can you talk about like that and if you found any difficulty with it? See, uh, when I was told as a kid, if you don't normalize yourself, on praying as a kid or when you're you know, in middle school or high school, it's going to be very hard for you to start praying. Uh, but I'm not, that's not, I'm not discouraging anyone. If you, if you don't pray and you want to start praying, please do. Because without praying, I can swear to you, I wouldn't be where I am today. Because I feel like when you're praying, you have five times a day to ask for help. Five times a day to release all the stress you have five times a day asking Allah to forgive you or to help you with something. And uh, a lot of, and sadly, a lot of teens or teenagers and a lot of Muslims don't know that or don't know the value of prayers. Yeah. And don't know the importance of it. 
they see it as a chore like ah and then they they pray like in a minute or two and they don't sit down after they pray and uh, they do do in like five seconds or something <laughs> uh, so it's it's really sad but as i said as a kid if you don't if you don't if you haven't prayed or if your parents weren't strict about you praying or not it's going to be 10 times harder to start praying especially when there's no supervision when you're in college it's it comes back to the point it's between you and god now yeah no one's forcing you to pray mm-hmm. but are you going to pray or not that's yeah. the question in the end it is a choice and i like what you said about the meditation aspect of it you know it's an opportunity to get closer to god and this is something that i've felt trapped to it's that like when you're praying, sometimes you can get lost in the motions and you just do it. You know, it's just a routine thing. And I think that's great because you're getting them in, at least you're doing them. But it really is an opportunity to reflect. And you know, like the, 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 the sad, what saddens me about sometimes when I pray is that I have too many things on my mind that I start thinking while I'm praying. You know, like I'm thinking about school. I'm thinking about that exam. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do for the weekend. Um, and I feel like that's not what you should do. It should be a moment like for five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, however long your prayer is to just zone everything out, find an opportunity to get closer to God and ask for forgiveness, like you said, or ask for help for anything. And personally, me, I believe in the power of prayer and like that because uh, for a year, I, I didn't think that I would have the opportunity to study in America, which was a long time dream of mine because I was only going to be able to do so at least at the university that I was going to go to with a scholarship. And I didn't have the scholarship at the time when I graduated from high school. Uh, I ended up studying in, the, in Saudi uh, at KFUPM for a year. And I was happy, you know, but I kept praying to God to give me success, to provide me with better opportunities. And then, subhanAllah, like <laughs> a month into i think it was like seven months of university i got an email saying congratulations you've been accepted to the scholarship get your stuff ready if you want to go you know and i feel like it might just be coincidence you never know but i think that that was there for a reason and because i was disciplined and i really showed my commitment you know and asked for god and he he answered you know yeah and like uh something that a lot of people need to understand is there is no shame to start praying if you don't to ask for something if you want something yeah but the, but the shame comes in is when you stop praying when that something comes oh true yeah yeah that's very so true. for example if you pray i want this for example i want x you start praying and praying and praying and the moment you get x you, you stop, stop. that's the problem that's true well after you get x i think the right answer would be to thank God for what you have because we forgot to say that, you know, like almost every prayer I say, alhamdulillah, which means thank you, God, you know, for everything that I have. And we're truly blessed, man. I mean, right now with COVID, we have a lot of obviously problems and I'm sure that being stuck inside has forced a lot of people to turn on each other, <laughs> even families. Yeah. And it's, I feel like we, we're getting caught up with issues that don't really matter because we are freaking blessed, man. I mean, there are people that have it way worse, especially with the virus. I mean, countries that don't have the infrastructure for healthcare, that don't have the opportunity to help people, you know, and countries that are in war, you know, and 
I just want everyone that's listening to this podcast, regardless of your beliefs, you know, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Jewish, Christian, atheist, if you have no belief, you know, take a moment to appreciate where you are and just the blessings that you have, you know. And I feel like it's important for us to stop, reflect, think, and thank God, or at least just appreciate where you are, you know? Sure. That was a very preachy segment right there, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tears are coming down. By the way, if you guys are listening to audio, make sure to check out our YouTube channel. It is in the description of this podcast. If you want to see our beautiful faces, even though we have a little bit of terrible lighting on both ends, but hey, we're trying our best. <laughs> All right. Well, that was um, 28 minutes. Uh, do you have anything else to add before we... Um, I, think, I think we talked about a lot of things. I mean, we, we talked about temptations. We talked about activities. We talked about prayer, um, how to deal with the judgment. Um, of other Muslims, do you want to dive into anything else? Maybe like a quick uh, run into, for example, to non-Muslims, it's better to ask than to assume. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, because especially where I where I live in Evansville, they're not really exposed to a lot of Muslims, so they make assumptions or they have those ideas or thoughts yeah. of things they see in the media or things that they see in the movies. Because I have people who generally thought, because I'm from Egypt, but I live in the desert. Or <laughs> I, I, never, I never saw cars before, or yeah. this is my first time eating good food, or stuff like that. It's crazy. <laughs> and, uh, so a message to anyone, uh, if, you, if you don't understand, it's 10 times better to ask than to assume something. Yeah. We, we don't bite. Uh, we're not intimidating. <laughs> so if you don't understand yeah. something, just ask. Well, I have I a lot think- of people come up and ask me, why are you praying right now or what are you doing or what is that you're reading when I'm reading the Quran yeah. or a lot of questions and I like those questions I don't, I don't yeah. get mad at any questions because uh, and also to the Muslims um, to start praying that's something a lot of people have been ignoring recently it's one thing to forget which a lot of us sometimes might slip once or twice but ignoring prayer is uh, yeah, having your phone tell you it's prayer time, and then you swear. And you're like, uh, no, no, that's that's terrible. And uh, I also uh, have something on my mind is that, especially when you're leaving your household and going to college, it's not about you anymore. You're mm-hmm. representing your family. You're representing your country. You're representing your culture. Most importantly, you're representing your religion. Yeah. So if a non-Muslim sees a Muslim outside, if he hasn't been exposed to Muslims and sees him drinking, eating pork, not praying, not fasting. That's, that's going to be his assumptions on all Muslims. He's like, oh, all Muslims do that. Or all Muslims, do, you know, we don't want that. Yes, <laughs> Especially no. in these times, we I don't want that. Inter- uh, true. I feel like a lot of people that might be uneducated might see that. But I think, it, I hope at this point that people understand that like on any religion, there are different spectrums of Muslims. And obviously, the best way to be a Muslim is to be a fully practicing one. But there, I mean, I feel like at this point, or I hope at 2020, people do understand the concept of being a lenient Muslim, which really doesn't exist, like, to be honest. But um, it's just the way it is, you know? 
but I, I do agree with you with that is that, and this applies to really anyone, you know, that's going from any culture to any culture. But for us, it's super important because in a way it's a mission, you know, that's why it, like for at least for us Saudis and most people in the Gulf, it's called ibtiath, you know, because you're going out on a mission and that mission, yes, is to study, but also to represent your culture, like you said, to represent your country, to represent your religion. And the best way to enforce a good image of a Muslim and the right image is to do the right things in front of those people, you know? So I completely agree with you. And uh, I like what you also said earlier. I think part of this episode also has to, affect, has to um, address the other side is how to, re- how to interact with Muslims, you know? And questions are amazing, man. I love it when I get questions, especially when they're not dumb questions, you know? It gives me an opportunity to explain why I do the things that I do, you know, and it's, it's very passionate to me. But to just assume something on someone or to do something without asking before, I think you're more likely to offend or disrupt the person's mood. That's just a fancy way of saying offend, but okay. <laughs> you get what I mean. You get what I mean. It's like, just ask before you do anything. I think that's the best way with any person, really. That's true. Very true. Sounds good, man. I think I think we had a very um, interesting, calm, and respectful conversation. And I'd love to have this conversation with anyone else that wants to learn more, that has questions, that maybe disagrees with some of the things that we said. And uh, like I said, make sure to follow us on our socials. Our DMs are open. Give us any suggestions at Gen Z Cafe. You can also follow my personal Instagram at HusseinXT. And also Abdullah Qaisi, who was unable to join us today. Um, so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Do you have anything else to say, Sony? Any, any shout-outs? Any plugs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just our final message is that don't be so harsh on yourself. And uh, as, as, you, as you've been posting uh, a couple of weeks back, motivational stuff, don't be so harsh on yourself. Um, and religiously talking as a Muslim or... If you don't feel connected to your religion, it's okay. It takes time. Um, sit down with your father, with your parents, if they're understanding. If they're not, sit down with yourself and try to understand your religion, if you do believe, and try to get close to it. Because trust yeah. me, it's, it's, it leads to success. It leads to, it leads to beautiful things. To discipline, to just to structure. I think structure is the best. Or just Not just in your life, but... Your being, you know, like when you have something you believe in, it adds to your form, to your structure. So, yeah. yeah. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, don't have to repeat what I just said. Follow us on our socials. Hit us up. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and see you all next time. Bye bye. <laughs>